Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. We're finishing up this I Am series, and uh, I Am the Light of the World is where we're spending our time today. But first, happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there. Um, happy to have you here. Have fun golfing today or grilling or uh, really whatever you choose. It's your day. You earned it. 364 days of strenuous fatherhood, and now you get a day hopefully to yourself. Um, I know that being a dad is not easy. I've been a dad for about two and a half years. It's definitely the hardest thing that I've ever had to do in my life, and that includes following Isaac preaching today. Uh, it seems like I always have to follow you, Isaac, for some reason. Um, which is not my favorite thing to do, but well done last week. Um, like I said, I love Father's Day. I became a dad two and a half years ago, and quickly Father's Day rose up the charts of like my favorite holidays, which before I was a dad, I was like, oh, Father's Day, that's okay, but now it's like flew up the charts. Flag Day, Arbor Day, <laughs> past Mother's Day, and now Father's Day is top three for me. Um, I still appreciate Mother's Day a lot, for you mothers, just so you know. Um, although the other day I heard on the radio that we spend a lot more money on Mother's Day than Father's Day, so that could probably change if we wanted for next year. Um, I don't necessarily see why that's the case. Um, but two and a half years ago, I became a dad. I, I almost said I gave birth to Jet. Lauren gave birth to Jet. I was a dad, and that, for me, changed everything in my life, um, and not just my appreciation for Father's Day holiday, uh, but, like, when I was a kid, I used to be a daredevil. Now I'm the opposite. Like, Jet will go near a curb or something, and I'll be like, be careful, be careful. When, when I was a kid, I would just, like, no hand jump my bike off those into the street, and now Jet can't go anywhere near him because they're death traps. Um, and I also, before, like, after college and stuff, I used to not worry about messes, um, like dishes and things and toys around. Not that I had toys around. Um, but just clutter and stuff used to not bother me. Now I think I might be a little OCD. Um, I spend most of my day, like 23 hours a day, doing dishes and picking up toys. Um, just that's what it's like when you have a two-year-old. If I had a dollar for every time I said, pick up your cars... I would be a millionaire. If I had a dollar for every time he actually picked them up, I'd have like six bucks. Um, I also cry a lot more now that I'm a dad. Um, <laughs> crying, yes. Um, but it's like a happy emotional cry. It's not like a sad cry. I can't take the physical and emotional toll of being a dad. So I'm in a fetal position in the corner. It's like I just, I'll see a movie or I'll see a show or a commercial, or I'll read a Father's Day card this morning, and I'll kind of tear up a little bit. But um, like I said, fatherhood has changed my life completely, um, more than anything else in my life except one thing. And that one thing that has changed my life more than fatherhood is giving my life to Jesus. And so when I was 18, I decided to really, really put my faith in Jesus, and that changed everything like, even more than becoming a father. Uh, it changed who I would marry. It changed how I parent my kids. It changed my career path. 
It changed how I spend my time and my hobbies. It changed how I spend my money, how I treat people, how I react when the Cubs lose, um, which I'm still working on. That is a work in progress. But my decision to follow Jesus has really changed everything. It's given me a hope and a purpose. It's given me, um, it ultimately has taken me from darkness to light. And uh, that's what I want to talk about today. As we finish our I Am series this week, uh, we want to focus on light, and I am the light of the world. Uh, Mike and Sherry, I think you guys talked about this briefly uh, a couple weeks ago. You talked about the I Am statements in John, and there's seven of those. They are, I am the bread of life. I am the sheep. Uh, sorry, I am the door to the sheep. Uh, I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the vine. And then in John 8, Jesus makes this statement, I am the light of the world. Uh, John 8, 12, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. And as Jesus says this, I think it's important for us to know, like, who he's talking to and kind of the context in which he's talking. He's, um, he's talking to the Pharisees, and it's the last day of the Feast of the Tabernacle. And so what that is is one of three huge feasts that or fe- festivals that were celebrated in those days. Um, it happened to be the last day. And what happened on the last day is that they would light these two huge menorahs in the temple. And the menorahs were uh, these huge candelabras with seven lamps or candles uh, um, on them and when they were lit they would illuminate the entire temple and so the temple would be visible be the only thing illuminated in the entire city you could see it from the surrounding hills and all all around Um, and it is in this context when you know when they would blow out these then suddenly there would be this darkness that kind of hovered over the city and it's in this context that Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and that's when he says, I am the light of the world. And so it would be really easy for these Pharisees and the people he's talking to to picture what he's saying, this uh, play on words. But really, there's tons more. um, There's tons of references in the Bible to light. If we open up to Genesis 1, it says, The earth was formless and void, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And so from the very first page of the Bible, God is bringing light into darkness. Uh, And then you go to the very last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, and it says this, There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. So page one, God bringing light into darkness. The very last chapter of the Bible, God bringing light into darkness. And there's even more in Psalm 119. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. John 1, 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Psalm 27, the, light is, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And I could go on. Light is mentioned over 200 times in the Bible. Um, but there's one of them that blew me away. I didn't read through all 200, but there's one that kind of poked you know, or popped to the front of my mind as I was reading. So, Uh, John 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But then in Matthew 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, you are the light of the world. So Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And he says, you are the light of the world. 
It says in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You are the light of the world. First he says he is the light of the world. And then he turns around and points at you and says you are the light of the world. And that's hard for me to wrap my head around because Jesus kind of puts himself and us on the same plane, which we're not, and we're not even close to. Um, And so I can totally understand when Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Um, He saved the world. He came into this world. He died for the world. He died for every person in this world. And he overcame death and darkness and sin in this world. So it's easy for me to to see why he would say, I am the light of the world, but when he says, you are the light of the world, like, why me? I look at me, I look at myself, I look in the mirror, and I see darkness, and I see sin. Um, how, how am I the light of the world? And to understand that, how we can possibly be light in this dark world, I want to look back at what Jesus says. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you follow Jesus, you will not walk in darkness. I came home the other day from the uh, Men's 37 event, which was awesome. We were out. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> there were, we were out in this awesome, the Reuters wooded area, beautiful, beautiful in the middle of the woods. And we had a blast. There were four-wheelers and fire and guns and meat like typical man stuff, probably how we should be spending Father's Day. Um, Could have added like power tools and cologne and (laughs) sports cars and dumbbells and beards and stuff like that, but just man it up a little bit. But it was fun, and I came home after that, and it was late, um, and it was dark, and I smelled like bonfire smoke and DEET from the bug spray. and Lauren was already asleep. The lights were off. The whole house was dark. And so I walk into our bedroom, and I kind of toss the phone onto the bed. Um, and then I'm going to head for the bathroom, but it's pitch black in there. And I, like, couldn't even really see where I was going or my hand in front of my face. And I'm like, crap, I wish I had my phone right now. But I threw it on the bed. Um, and so I'm doing the whole, like, arms out, feeling where I'm going, looking around for the the bedroom bathroom door um, and just totally blind looking for something kind of like when you walk in these doors back here on a bright day and somebody says hi to you and you're like Sarah is that you Uh, (laughs) no it's Rob sorry Rob Um, so all I would have needed in our bedroom was the light from my phone, and not even the flashlight, just like the screen light, and I could have found my way to the bathroom um, pretty easily, but instead, I'm just walking around in total darkness, and ultimately, that is what we do when you live life without Jesus. You're walking around blind in total darkness, um, not uh, like completely lost, completely hopeless, completely um, void of a purpose or a future, whether you know it or not. And when Jesus talks about darkness, he's really not necessarily talking about sin, but he's talking about life without him. Um, And a life without Jesus is a life without hope, really. 
Um, and total, when we don't have Jesus, we are walking in total darkness. We're walking kind of arms out, wandering through life totally aimlessly. But then Jesus turns around and talks about light. And when he talks about light, he's talking about life. He says, you will have the light of life. And when he talks about light, he's talking about life as it was meant to be, life in relationship with him, in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus, life with a hope, a life that's completely life-changing. Like when I gave my life to Christ when I turned 18, um, everything changed for me. Um, how I lived, how it changes how you live, it changes how you act, it changes how you treat people. When you have the light of life, when you follow Jesus, that is when you can become light of the world. And suddenly it begins to click and it begins to make sense that if Jesus says, I am the light of the world, then you too can be the light of the world, but only as you follow Jesus. Because suddenly everything goes through him. Every decision you make goes through him. Every day you're walking with him. And if we try to be light on our own, we will fail. Um, And it's only when we follow Jesus closely and daily that we'll be the light that we desire to be. Um, if If you're spending time with Jesus, if you're following him, that's when you begin. You'll slowly begin to actually look like him in the things that you say and in the things that you do. I remember uh, back in November, my grandpa died. I was at a funeral for my grandpa, and I obviously was seeing a lot of family that I hadn't seen in a long time, um, and probably a lot of them since I was a kid. And I can't tell you how many times people came up to me and were like, you must be Terry's son. You look just like your father. You look just like your father. Like, personally, I never noticed my dad's chiseled jawline and like washboard abs but (laughs) they must be there if I look like my dad Um, (laughs) thank you I'm just kidding it's the skinny legs I I look like the bird from up I know Um, anyway I, I get that often like you look just like your father and I am honored when people say that about Jet or Foster. Normally they say you look just like your mother, uh, which is a good thing for them. Um, but uh, they say, uh, you look just like your father. Or when they say, when they, people tell me I look just like my father, I'm honored. But what I really want them to tell me is this. You look just like your heavenly father. You look just like Jesus. The things you do, the way you act, the love that you have for others, it makes you look just like Jesus. And I've, uh, if they could say about me, like, I've never seen someone so generous. I've never seen someone so kind or so loving. Or I've never seen someone react to different situations the way that you do. I would be honored by that. Uh, more honored than if <laughs> they say, you look just like your father, which my dad's here. Dad, I'm glad I look like you, I promise. Um, it, it's kind of like you, you look in a puddle if it's raining outside or whatever jet is splashing in puddles this week whenever it rains. Uh, when you look in a puddle, you can see your reflection or if you look in a lake or whatever, but it's kind of a messy reflection. It's kind of fuzzy and tough to make out. Um, the reflection of Jesus that I want to have is a mirror reflection. I want to have a crystal clear, crisp, clean, 
reflection, the type of reflection that you have no doubt that you're looking at Jesus when you look at me. Um, you, you look at me and you see Jesus clear as day. And I know personally I'm far from that, but I'm striving towards that. And I think when we begin to look like that, that's when we become the light of the world that Jesus calls us to. Um, Ephesians 5 says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. And when we do that, that's when that reflection becomes less like a puddle reflection and more like a mirror reflection. We People look at us and they say, they see Jesus as clear as day. Imitating God and all we do is a challenge. Obviously, it's, it's tough to imitate Jesus, but that is what we're called to do. If we're called to be the light of the world, we'll ca- we are called to imitate Jesus in everything that we do, in the way we talk, in the way we act, in the way we think. We're called to imitate Jesus and be like Jesus. And the tough thing is, is we're called to get messy in following Jesus. We're called to do hard things, and we're called to love difficult people, and we're called to uh, be bold and go against the grain at times and do things that maybe society wouldn't tell us to do. And so following Jesus will get us messy. Um, When you get the mess of Jesus on you, you get the mess of other people on you as well. You get their problems on you, you get their sin on you, you get their dirt on you. But again, if we're called to be the light of the world, which we are by Jesus, then we're called to get a little messy being lights in the darkness. And there's an old saying that I heard that uh, it talks about, you know, it says people would get the dirt, they would get covered in the dust of their rabbi if that makes sense. And so way back when, when uh, in Jesus's day, people would follow their rabbis or their teachers so closely that the dust kicked up from their rabbi's sandals would get on them, and they'd be covered in the dirt of their rabbi. And I want to be covered in the dirt of Jesus. I want to be covered in the dust of Jesus. And oftentimes, when we do that, we'll get covered in the mess of other people as well. But that's what it takes to be lights in the darkness. Um, One of my favorite movies is I Am Legend. Anyone seen I Am Legend out here? I love that movie. Will Smith is in it. Uh, Two of my favorite movies are Will Smith movies, Independence Day and I Am Legend. Um, And then Dumb and Dumber. Um, But the first time I saw I Am Legend, uh, there has never been a movie where I've been like so intensely on the edge of my seat the entire time. It's like the combination of thrilling and scary. Um, and I, I just loved it. It was very original too, but basically it's about this virus and they think that this virus is gonna cure cancer. Uh, but ultimately what it ends up doing is turning the entire population into these zombies or like uh, vampire type characters. And so that didn't work out for him. But uh, Will Smith is a doctor and he thinks that he's, he has this immunity to the, the virus or whatever, but he thinks he's, he's the only person left on Earth, basically, or at least left in Manhattan. Um, and he's trying to, he's a doctor, so he's trying to create a cure for this zombie disease. And at the movie, at the end of the movie, he ends up finding a cure, but he has to sacrifice his own life to um, save humanity, basically. And so there are tons of spiritual undertones throughout the movie, which is one of the reasons I like it so much. Um, but the theme of the movie is light up the darkness. And so one day, Will Smith finds out that he actually isn't the only person left. There are others. There's a 
survivor colony, and he meets this woman and a, a kid, and he starts talking to the woman about Bob Marley. And Will Smith says this. He had this idea. Bob Marley had this idea. He believed that you could cure racism and hate, literally cure it by injecting music and love into people's lives. When he was scheduled to perform at a peace rally, a gunman came to his house and shot him down. Two days later, he he walked out on stage and sang. When they asked him why, he said, the people who are trying to make this world worse are not taking a day off. How can I light up the darkness? And I think that's us. I think that's who we're called to be. We're called to light up the darkness. There are people in this world, there are people in this city who are trying to make things worse. And even if they're not trying to make things worse, they're making it worse simply by the darkness that exists within each one of us. And I humbly admit in front of all of you that there are days when I don't make this world any better. Um, The other day here in Peoria, there's a 14-year-old who was shot and killed by another teenager. And if that's not evidence of darkness, then I don't know what is. John 3, 19 says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but the people love darkness instead of light. And I don't think I have to convince you that people love darkness and people choose darkness over light at times because the world is filled with darkness. And that darkness, again, is sin, yes, but also separation from God, life, how it's not meant to be lived. And there are not people, the, the people who are making this world work worse are not taking a day off from the darkness. So how can we? We can't take a day off from being lights in the darkness. Um, Matthew 5, the message translation of it says this. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God pillars in this world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. Then he goes on to say, I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine, shine. We're called to be light. We're called, Jesus himself calls us to be light. That is our purpose. Um, and following Jesus and, and imitating Jesus can be hard, and it's a challenge to do that perfectly. It's impossible to do that perfectly. But the reality is being a light can be pretty simple. It can be something as easy as um, saying hi to a neighbor or inviting a neighbor over for dinner. It can be um, praying for someone who's had a hard time, or it can be just volunteering back in kids' ministry or something like that. The other day I was here, uh, I was in an elevator, and I took a picture of this because it kind of stuck out to me. Um, There was a door close button that was completely worn out and a door open button that hadn't even been touched. And I was just like, why are people trying to close the door on others when nobody's trying to hold the door open. It, it's as simple as, you know, holding a door open for someone. It's as simple as holding an elevator open for someone. There's, there's so much darkness in this world, and uh, we're called to the opposite. We're called to be lights in the darkness. We should do everything we can to love others and uh, come alongside others. And ultimately, being a light means showing Jesus to those around us. That's as simple as it gets in with our words, with our actions, in everything we do, we're called to be light. And uh, we're in this I Am series, and uh, I think about these I Am statements um, 
And I think they tell us so much about the identity of God. And obviously, we'll never fully grasp the identity of God. Um, but it's so important to do that. Identity is critically important. I had my identity stolen one time. It was shortly after college. That was not fun. Um, it was basically the bank called me and said, hey, is Ryan Anderson there? And I said, this is he. And I, I don't think I said that. Actually, I, th I wouldn't have said that. I said, yep, this is me or something. Um, but anyway, I, I, they said, we believe your debit card has been compromised. And I was like, okay. Um, there's been some suspicious spending on it. We're going to go down this list of purchases, and you just tell us um, if you made these purchases or not. And so they went down the list, and they were like, uh, $346 from Macy's in, I think it was in Davenport, Iowa. Or Davenport, Florida, I mean. Um, and I was like, no, I have not been there. And they're like, okay, $216 from Dick's Sporting Goods in Davenport, Florida. No. Um, there's one from Best Buy in Florida. They went down like five different places, and each one they asked me, like, did you purchase this? And then they got to one, and they were like, okay, there's a charge for $34 from Victoria's Secret on here. That's probably not you either. And I was like, actually, yes, that is me, Victoria's <laughs> Secret. This, it was my mom's birthday that week. I had <laughs> my mom, uh, Victoria's Secret sells more than skimpy underwear, just so you know. I bought her a blouse or something nice. But anyway, they got, my identity was stolen. And I had to go, <laughs> I had to get a new credit card. I had to change my bank account number. I had to go through all kinds of trouble to make sure that it didn't happen again. And it was a huge pain. And it was that day that I really began to realize, like, identity is important. Our identity is critical to us. It's one of the most important things we can discover in our lives, but I'm convinced that God's identity is even more important. Understanding God's identity is important because if we don't know God's identity, then we'll never fully understand our identity. Um, and when God says these I am statements, he fills us in on his identity. He's sharing with us parts of his identity. I am the light of the world. That's big. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's a bold statement about his identity. I am the vine. I am the sheep. I am the gate. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the alpha and the omega. I am who I am. He's filling us in on his identity in all these I am statements. And the reality is, is he... There are more, and he could have even gone on. He could have said more. He could have said, I am the prince of peace. I am the savior of the world. I am the king of kings. I am the lord of lords. I am all-knowing. I am all-powerful. I am sufficient. I am good. I am forgiving. I am pure. I am relentless. I am loving. I am sustaining. I am pursuing. I'm a deliverer. I'm a healer. I am limitless. I am merciful. I am gracious. I am holy. I am love. I am eternal. I am righteous. I am infinite. I am personal. I am enough. And he could have said the most important one of all, I am madly in love with you. You, a sinner, someone who turns their back on God daily, God is in love with you. And if you follow him, you will no longer walk in darkness, but you will have the light 
of life. When you begin to understand that, you begin to understand your own identity. When you begin to understand that, then you really begin to act and believe that you are the light of the world, but only with the help of Jesus. It's really interesting because Jesus asks a question to his disciples about his own identity in Matthew 16. Matthew 16, uh, Jesus says this. He asks his disciples something really interesting. He says, who do people say the, the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus turns around and says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? But what about you? Who do you say that I am? Jesus asked them about his own identity. That question, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? That's the most important question that we will ever ask ourselves in life. Who do we say Jesus is? And kind of like the, the disciples, um, we hear different things. Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah. Our friends say one thing about Jesus. Maybe you've grown up with your grandma telling you something about Jesus. Um, you see things on the news about Jesus, different viewpoints about who he is. But who do you say he is? Because ultimately, that's the question that you're going to be asked. When we come face to face with Jesus, that's what he's going to ask. Who do you say that I am? Who did, who did you live your life like I am? And after Jesus asked this, Peter says something, and I think he gets it right. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah, the one who will save us. This is the first time that disciples have called Jesus Messiah when they say this. Before this, they were just calling him teacher. Before this, they were just kind of following him around, but Peter saw it firsthand. Peter spent time with Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He followed Jesus. He knew that there was something life-changing about Jesus. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. So maybe you've gone through your life with just a so-so view of Jesus. Maybe you know Jesus is real, but you are acting like you are the light of the world, or you're not acting like he is the light of the world. Maybe you've put your faith in Jesus, but you aren't living it out fully. Who are you helping follow Jesus today? Who are you telling about Jesus today? Are you showing people about Jesus with your words and your actions and the way you treat people? Uh, Maybe you're really trying to change the world. Maybe you really want to be a light in the darkness, but you're a little too concerned with the darkness that's going on outside of you and not concerned enough with the darkness that's inside of you. In this world we live in, darkness obviously reigns. It seems to reign but we have a light and we have a hope that is Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. Whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And when you have the light of life, then you become the light of the world too. John 1, 5 again says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness shall not overcome it. So what I want you to do is shut your eyes real quick. Shut your eyes. And picture complete darkness. And if it were pitch black in here, if I couldn't even see my hand in front of my face, and I leaned over to fill, 
and I lit a match. Suddenly, that'd make a huge difference, and you could maybe see Phil's face. And if Phil leaned over to me and lit a match in my hand, then suddenly you could see both our faces. And then if we turn around and lit everyone's match here on stage, then suddenly it'd be a little brighter. And then if we lit each one of your matches out there, then suddenly this room would be pretty bright and we begin to see things. And it wouldn't take long to light up the darkness in this room. You are a child of the king. You are light to the world, loved and forgiven by Jesus. And Chris touched on this a little earlier. It's Father's Day. And this Father's Day, as we remember and honor our dads, it's important to remember that we have a heavenly father. In Luke 11, this is what's known as the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us how we should address God. And he could have told us to start by saying, High King of Heaven, or Most Righteous and Holy God, or Savior of all mankind, or really one of a hundred different things. But he says this. He says, Pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven. Our Father. That's an invitation into his family. God's beloved son or daughter, our Father. That's who you are. And Rochelle... Your dad may have died, but you are not without a father. And Brody, your dad might not be here, but you are not without a father. And Terry, my dad, your dad died recently, but you are not without a father. We can celebrate this Father's Day and every day after this because we have a father in heaven that loves us more than we can possibly imagine and more than we possibly deserve. That is your identity. The light of the world because you are loved by the light of the world. And so as we sing, you're going to be handed a light or maybe you already have a light. Um, but when the reality of your sin sets in, when the reality of your identity sets in, I want you to click that light. As the song goes on, I want you to hold that light high as we sing. And I want us to light up this room. You are a light to the world. Let's light up the darkness.